Greetings, everybody. It's a great blessing for me to come to you today. Today, we're going to be talking about the Pool of Bethesda, and I'm also going to be talking about the lunatic that couldn't be healed by the disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm going to link that into our political systems that we are in today and what God has brought us freely in Jesus Christ. The fruit of this is a heart that is set at rest, wherein you can have peace born into your life by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and not the systems of this world. Now, today's message was recorded a little bit earlier this morning. I'm going to broadcast the message that I preached to our local congregation via our local Zoom church meeting. So uh, <clears throat> just if you know why it is in a much more relaxed atmosphere, you'll see it's just our local church fellowship that we're fellowshipping around. I've got a little bit of Afrikaans uh, in the message, so please excuse that. But the whole the message as a whole will really enrich your life and bring a lot of freedom to you. So I want you to enjoy the message, and I trust that this will just bring that peace that I'm experiencing on account of what I saw in these week, previous weeks as I did my studies as pertaining to the freedom that is received by Jesus Christ. I'll see you in the meeting. God bless. Glory to God. Isn't God just absolutely good? You know that song, the name of Jesus is just above every name, is so powerful. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. I wonder how many times we really believe what we sing when we sing that song. His is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory. As you were singing that, I was thinking of Joshua. And when he saw, um, he saw a, like a mighty man of valor, a, a soldier one time, and he walked up to him and he said to him, are you for us or against us? And then this man said, well, I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. Neither. I'm not for you or against you. I'm basically here to take over. doesn't matter who you're for. I'm here to bring the kingdom of God into manifestation in this earth. And I think we need to realize that what Jesus Christ has come to do in this earth is to bring the kingdom of God into manifestation. And the kingdom of God has already been inaugurated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God is busy right now through the power of the resurrection to make everything the footstool of Jesus. And we will find Jesus return with great power. And we will see every kingdom, every political party, crumble to nothingness in the name of Jesus Christ. We are safe in Jesus. We are absolutely safe in Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes it feels as if we need to add something more because of how the things in this world work. But I want to say to you, if you just believe in Jesus and his spirit brings forth life in you and you just follow or are born from the power of his spirit inside you, Church, you're okay. You are okay. Uh, you'll make it. <laughs> Glory to God. And we will make it with great victory, standing in the victory of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, today I'm going to talk about the Pool of Bethesda, and I've titled the message like this. The Pool of Bethesda, Jesus facing the Roman god of health, Serapis, the Greek god Asclepius, and the other gods of Egypt. Now, let us go to John chapter 5, and we're going to read this. And the reason why I'm talking about this is I think it is very applicable in today's uh, 
um, political atmosphere that we are in. There are so many other gods and people giving hope to the world. In South Africa, we've got so many voices on on what the right thing would be to do. If, if you're watching from Europe, um, I don't think we have people watching from the Americas now, but you can be in India, China, somewhere there. You're watching, you, you're slotting into this and you're watching this. So many times we look at our leaders and we see them kind of as these gods offering us peace and stability and a good future and all of those things. And this was basically what was happening at the pool of Bethesda. Now I'm going to read John chapter 5 and we're going to see that the pool of Bethesda was not actually a Christian pool. Neither was it a Jewish pool. It didn't have a lot to do with Jewish traditions. Neither did it have anything to do with God's angel coming down from heaven, stirring the water, and then people got healed when they got in or any of those kind of things. It was um, an Asclepian, which had to do with the god Asclepius and healing pools and temples wherein this god of um, longevity and this god of health and uh, yeah, God of health and healing, where, where in, in his temples you could get healed and so forth if you follow a certain protocol. Okay, let us read. It says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, Bethesda also means grace or mercy. Now, I think that is where a lot of us get a bit confused and thinking that this now talks that pool and what it was standing for was grace and mercy all the time. It only got its true definition in Christ. Uh, it, it didn't really stand for uh, grace and mercy as pertaining to the finished work of Jesus Christ and so forth with the name Bethesda there. Okay, um, then it says, In these lay a great multitude, of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been there for a long time, that he was in that case, he said unto him, Will you be made whole? The important man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Then Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day, it was the Sabbath. Now, what John is doing here, and when we look at the writing of letters in the Bible, like John, we so many times stumble over the miracle takes place, and we want to see what did Jesus do especially? What words did he use? How did the disciples go about to get miracles done? Because we also want to do those miracles. And then we basically not seeing what is being said. A lot of these miracles are put in the writings like, I mean, of the uh, apostles here. 
the evangelists, to tell a story, to make a point. Now you will see that it talks about the healing at the pool of Bethesda and immediately says, and it was the Sabbath. What John is trying to communicate is that Jesus' authority was greater than the authorities of that time and the gods of that time. Plus, he was even Lord over the Sabbath. And then he goes on and he explains that he was even greater than John the Baptist. And then in chapter 6, he goes on and he explains that Jesus is even the sent one of God, the Messiah of God, the one that gives the, the living bread that will cause you to live forever and never die. That is what John is after here. And he is bringing this into a political arena. And he is addressing the politics and the beliefs of that time. Now, the pools of Bethesda was built about seven, between 700 and 200 before Christ. That's when those pools were already built. First the north and then the southern pool. And was like reservoirs of water. It was about, um, I think it was 30 or 40 meters long, about 13 meters deep, very deep pools. And then from there, there was an overflow pool, which was called the healing pools of Bethesda, where there was a, um, like an aqueduct kind of underground tunnel with a sluice where they would open it up and then water would flow from the bigger pools into the smaller pool where people would then go for healing. Now, this healing pools was already there before Jesus. It was already there. These healing pools um, was of uh, healing pools of a certain god, Asclepius, which was a Greek god. So there was this Greek god, Asclepius. He was seen as the god of health and longevity and all of those kind of things. He, there were Asclepians built, which was, and there was about 400 of them in that time. This was in the Hellenistic time, before the Roman time even. That was already there. And, they, and that Asclepians was temples or healing pools or those kind of things, which people would then go to for healing. There you could stay at the temple, sleep there at the temple. And the tradition tells us that as people would sleep there, they would get a dream. Then there would be a priest, an Asclepian priest. And he would then interpret the dream and through that interpretation also give advice on what herbs to eat and what um, things to do to get healed. Almost like a witch doctor in Africa kind of a thing. That's, that's how it worked. Now, that was the pool of Bethesda. And then the stirring of the water, verse 4. Go and study this out for yourself. I'm not sucking it out of my thumb. Verse 4 is not in our most reliable uh historic documents of John. It is was added in later by some scribes. The oldest documents that we have, the most reliable documents that we have, doesn't have us for in, which says for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Now, that angel we see as the angel of the Almighty God. But Asclepius himself, the God was many times depicted as a being with wings. So when this scribe or the person that translated, not, not translate, transcribed this or copied John, he must have thought that 
let me just bring clarity here on how this work. And the people of the time would have understood that this would be Asclepius himself coming down and troubling the water and people and that get in first would be healed. It just doesn't make sense uh, in God's way of doing that God would stir the water and then he would have cripple, lame people there, people that are withered and whatever. And then there's also somebody with an ingrown toenail and somebody that has got toothache and they're sitting around the pool and then God sends his angel from heaven and say, well, now's the time to stir the water, stir the water. And the first one in, he's going to be healed. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. There's something wrong with that. It doesn't sound like God. It doesn't sound like our God. It sounds like something that is uh, very mystical. It sounds like something that somebody could have thought up. It is not who God is. Who God is in the situation enters the scene when Jesus walks into the area, when Jesus walks in there. Okay, now there's more history here. We need to understand that Asclepius was seen as the Greek God of healing, but there were other gods as well. These, the, the Romans, after they've, you know, the Greek kingdom was conquered and when the Romans start to take everything over, they had to uh, basically politically get peace between all these people and their gods. And what they then did is they basically said, and they ritualistically and in different ways, they basically said that there is now a God that in whom all the God's strength is invested. And that God was the greatest God there is. And that was Seraphis. Now, um, that means you got Asclepius. And I'm sorry for sharing all these things, but we need to sometime see context in scripture. So there was Asclepius and then there was Seraphis. Asc Seraphis was bigger than Asclepius. It was the biggest God there is. The only one above Seraphis was Caesar himself. The greatest worship in that day was Caesar worship. So you find Caesar, the greatest God. Caesar declared himself as a God and then Asclepius. So if you would worship Asclepius, that was accumulation of all the gods there is. So why just worship one of healing and one of war and one of this or that? Rather worship the bigger one. That's what they did. Asclepius was then also a, a, a mixture of the Egyptian gods that came together, the greatest Egyptian gods of which one of these gods, these Egyptian gods was Osiris, which was the god that would decide if you will have eternal life or not. So what was basically taking place is this uh, Asclepian, this temple that there was, this temple then that was to Asclepius as well as to Seraphis, at this temple there was healing pools, the pools of Bethesda, where it it was almost like we could say a stronghold or a high place for the biggest gods there is that people can worship and expect a hope and a future from. And in that place there was a man that was lying there for 38 years, for 38 years, and he couldn't be healed. He was 38 years in that condition, and he was there for a long time. Nobody could put him in the water. Now, very interesting, from the time that Israel 
decide when God first wanted to lead them into the promised land, when they didn't want to go in, when they were scared to go in, until the day that generation died out and the other generation went into the promised land was exactly 38 years. So John is trying to communicate something bigger here. He's not about, uh, you know, a miracle that took place and God has got the ability to heal a paralytic. He's trying to say something bigger. When Jesus walked in there, he saw that man that could not be healed by all the greatest gods of the world. And he walked into that place, actually an evil place, a place where no Jew is supposed to hang out, a place that was outside the city walls. It was not inside Jerusalem walls. It was outside the city walls because the Jews wouldn't allow that. But there was a Jew lying there for 38 years. One of the interesting things is uh, Osiris and these gods, they, um, one of the gods, when they, they would amalgamate these gods through rituals, like I said, one of them was the bull god, which was also this golden calf that was made um, by, the, by the Jews when they were getting out of, the, um, out of Egypt. So here Jesus comes and he's saying, you've been lying in front of these idols for 38 years. He was actually saying to Israel, Israel, you cannot find life where you are right now. But I am the one that was promised greater than all the idols that you've ever been serving, greater than any political force in the world. Do you want to be free? And then Jesus, then the person says, but who's going to help me to through this system be free that, that that is available to us? And Jesus says, I don't need any of these systems. I don't need any of these political movements that there is. I don't need any of these gods and I'm not going to help you to get into a system whereby you can be healed. I am the healer. And he says, rise and walk. And what he was basically saying is the true Israel is now arising by the rulership of the true God who's greater than Seraphis, who's greater than all of these gods. Where people don't have to race for healing, where it's not a stirring of the water every now and then, where it's about your own ability and effort to please the gods, but where it's about God coming into the place where the gods come cannot provide healing, and he heals. That is what it's about. Now, I trust that this blesses you because, you know, many times when we would read John chapter 5, we would read it in a way where in, in the back of our mind something doesn't make sense. But now we can see that the voice that Jesus had in that time was a political voice. The political voice was, listen, none of the kingdoms of this world or their gods can do anything for you I am the true God. I am greater than the Sabbath. I'm greater than all these gods. I'm basically walking into the doctors of that time's waiting room and I'm healing the people that they cannot heal. By that I'm showing I'm taking their business away and I am the true healer. That is what was happening. It's like walking into a temple of another God and then healing the people there. That is what Jesus was doing, showing that he is the Messiah, showing that he is the Savior. That is what all of this is about. Glory to God. So I want to say to you, let Jesus today walk into South Africa, into America, into 
Europe, whatever country you are in, let Jesus walk into your life today where you might be waiting for some political party to make a right move and hear him ask you, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? And then you might say, yes, Lord, I want to, but, but who's going to help our political parties to come right so that we can have some life? And then he can just, by his word, heal you and fix you contrary to the systems of the day and bring you wholeness and wellness by his power through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where you can have peace and stability and joy regardless of what's going on in this world. I think we so many times, like this man that has been in a condition for a very long time, cannot see an outcome outside of being put into the water that is stirred. That is a problem. We want the political waters to be stirred. And then we want our view and opinion to be in there first. And then we think that's how we're going to find freedom. I want to say to you that there is freedom found in the kingdom of God that is within working the life of God in your heart and in your mind right now. Glory to God. Okay, I want to go to another passage. Let's go to... Um, Matthew, Matthew 17. I'm oh, sorry. This is now going to talk about the lunatic. And I want to bring context there as well. <clears throat> okay, Matthew 17. So I'm first going to talk about the glorification of Jesus or the, um, you know, when he appeared with you know shining as the sun here it is it says after six days jesus took peter james and john his, bro uh, his brother and brought them up into a high mountain and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light and behold there appeared unto him moses and elijah talking with him then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you will, let us make you three tabernacles, three temples, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Okay, so this was now, imagine now, here's Jesus shining as the sun, and they still casually talking to Jesus. Moses appears, Elijah appears, they casually talking to Jesus. And then a bright cloud comes and a voice out of the cloud and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. So we find here Jesus shines like the sun. We would already think that they are scared or this is a phenomenon. Look at what is taking place. But when they heard the voice of God, it was almost as if that is just on a next level. These guys fell down and they were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus. 
And when they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man. So they were seeing a vision. Until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, What then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? So what, let's see what's taking place here. Jesus started to shine like the sun. Elijah and Moses appears. They want to build a temple or a tabernacle for all three of them. The father says, listen, just hear my son. You don't have to build a temple for the law, Moses, or the prophets, Elijah. You don't have to build a temple for any of those. Just hear my son. Then Jesus say, listen, thinking they've now listened to what the father said. And he said to them, tell this vision to no one. Tell what was just heard, what you just heard, that you should not focus on Elijah or focus on Moses, but just on me and that I was shining like the sun. Tell that to nobody until I'm raised from the dead. The first question they ask is, so what about Elijah? Amazing. <laughs> I think... I think Jesus had to feel some frustration sometimes because he's just heard the voice of God saying, forget about this Elijah guy, forget about this Moses guy. Don't worry about the one that called fire from heaven. Don't worry about the one that led you through the Red Sea. Forget about that. Listen to my son. He will be, Jesus said, I will be raised from the dead. And then you tell them in the resurrection when I'm raised that, listen, forget about Moses, forget about Elijah. Just listen to the resurrected Jesus. This authority Moses had, which people was in for a very long time. It makes me think of that man that was for 38 years at a place where he couldn't find healing. He was there for a long time. And now when he's commanded and said, do you want to be made well? Then he's basically saying, yes, but this prophetic thing must take place and those laws must be obeyed. Then I will be made well. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Somebody greater than Moses, somebody greater than Elijah is in your midst, greater than the Sabbath. Is right here. It makes me think of that. But now let's go on and see what Matthew tries to communicate as he tells this, the story. Jesus went on, he said, yes, Elijah must first come. And then he says in verse 12, but John the Baptist is the Elijah that had to come and he already came. And verse 14, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. Lunatic there means he's an Afrikaans, he's met die maan gepla. Wat sal ons sê met die maan gepla in Engels? He's bothered with the moon, direct translation. He's the people that stares at the moon sometime. Now, moon, interestingly, is the light that gives light when it is night. Now, when Jesus came, it was now day, and we didn't need the night's light, which was the law, anymore. Okay, and he, uh, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. So vexed, oftentimes he falls into the fire, oftentimes into the water. And I brought him unto your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him here unto me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus 
apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And he says, because of your unbelief. So verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, be removed and put in another place and it shall be done. Howbeit, this kind doesn't go out but through prayer and fasting. Now, I want to tell you, this is a political statement wherein Jesus was basically saying that he is greater than the political forces and powers that was governing in the minds of people at that time. This is what he, what he said. Listen, he's on the mountain, he's glorified. He sees Moses, he sees, they see Moses and Elijah. God says, forget about Moses and Elijah, believe in Jesus. It's very difficult for them. They just like the man at the pool of Bethesda. First, want to ask about this method, this Elijah and so forth. Jesus explains that Elijah has already come. Then Matthew decided it was good to tell a story about a lunatic that got healed. The disciples couldn't cast the devil out of the lunatic. The lunatic was somebody who focused on the moon. The moon in Jewish, uh, later on now, is understood as the light that came by night, which was the law that gave some form of a light in in the in the darkness time. But now the true light has risen. The day of the Lord is dawning. So he's referring to the law. And what does the man say? He says, "This devil sometimes throw my son in the water and sometimes in the fire. Water." according to these verses, would mean Moses, who led them through the Red Sea, and fire, Elijah, which was known as the one that calls down fire from heaven. That's what it would be. A lunatic would be somebody who's one day with Elijah, the other day with Moses. Bothered by the legalistic law systems which the Jewish people thought was at power at that time. But what Jesus was saying is this whole Jewish system, the temple, the whole political power we have, and all those things are passing away. Just listen to me. And we see that they didn't have the power to cast that devil out. And what he was basically saying here is, if we get the whole story, is that this this devil... This thing wherein you're one time in the fire and one time in the water cannot be cast out except through prayer and fasting. Prayer would be understood by Jesus as the Our Father wherein people welcome the kingdom of God. This way of then you in the law, then you in the prophets cannot be cast out unless you welcome the kingdom of the Father to you and fasting according to Isaiah 58 would mean Jesus comes and set people free. The only way we can be set free from legalism and law would be Should we welcome and say, our father, your kingdom come, your will be done. And Jesus then setting us free. So I want to say to you that in this world, we will have many voices. We will have a political voice on this side. We'll have a patriotic voice on the other side in our country and all those kind of things. Um, those kind of things, we will have that. We'll have so many voices, but there's one voice that matters. Church, and that is the voice of Jesus. What he has said, he has proven 
that he has got power over any political party. He has proven that he's got power over any medical system whatsoever there is. He has proven that he is the giver of life. He has poured out his spirit on us and led us today not find ourselves so bothered with the moon, lunatics, waiting for the stirring of the water, not seeing somebody that is greater than what we thought we needed for help has risen in our very midst. Jesus the Christ. Let us behold what God has brought us. Let us behold the life that God has given us. Let us behold the freedom that is ours. You might say, but Betty, last time I saw somebody walking into that pool, he got healed and life was better. And I remember this testimony of somebody who, where it worked for. And I look back in history and politics worked for this one and for that one. I said on Facebook yesterday, <clears throat> I said, and I've said it many times, you know, voting is sometimes like, um, in South Africa, we've got many political parties. We, we vote for one of the ten devils. We choose which one is the best for now until Jesus comes. And then we vote for him. We wish there was a better one, but because there's a lack of a better one, we just choose that one and vote for him for now because, well, at least it might help a little bit. But we cannot put our hope and our trust in that person because the moment they get in power, we find, ah, yeah, then they become corrupt again and there's also a lack in them. But... As for normal governance and those kind of things, we, we vote and we do it. That is how it works. But we cannot have, I cannot have the future of my children and the safety of my family put in the hands of what this world offers. I cannot put it in the hands of the law. I can only put it in the hands of Jesus. And you might say, and people might say, Bethy, so you just want to tell me, you just want to trust Jesus and then uh, basically not focus on the other things and just trust Jesus and think that by just trusting Jesus, you're going to have the life of God and the things are going to go well. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. For as I'm trusting Jesus, he will put in my heart and in the church's heart that which needs to be done to walk in love and kindness and goodness. And so we will have a holy life and we will live a peaceable life in this world as our focus is on Jesus because our emotions and what's around us will not be done, uh, will not be created by people's ability on how government's ability to manage money. Our government cannot manage money. I don't know of a government that can manage money well. I don't know of one. Whenever the government is involved, there's some kind of a corruption or some kind of a thing that is evil. And when we look at how many mosques they buy at what price, how many water tanks they put up at a million rand a water tank or 175,000 rand per water tank and look at all those things, then our minds get affected by that. Our emotions get affected by that. Turmoil rises in our hearts. Now, turmoil will only arise in our hearts to the level that we've put our trust in that system. If your trust is not really in that system, you will say, well, it's sad, but joy will be born in you from the revelation of the one that is greater than the systems and the gods of this world that rose from the dead and that is truly Lord over our lives. Glory to God. I want to encourage you with that message, church. Go and think about it. At the pool of Bethesda, 
which I see as the world system offering their hope, a greater, the true God arose that could take those who could not enter the promised land and take them and have them enter the promised land. I now see the glorified Jesus raised from the dead, having the power to deliver the lunatic. The lunatic is the man who walks by the legalism and laws of this world and old legalism and laws, trying to find life by ethnicity and obedience to the customs and the systems of this world. That's the lunatic who's one day in the prophets, the next day he is in the fire, is, 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 the next day is um, in, one day in the water, next day in the fire. Law and the prophets. That's the lunatic. And we need the Messiah. We don't have enough belief. We who are still under that old system cannot cast that devil out. The only way that power of the devil can be cast out is through prayer. Prayer, according to John, would have been the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We are expecting a new kingdom. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That is prayer. Fasting. The Bible says, Is the fast that I have chosen, Isaiah 58, the day for a man to bow down like a bulrush, to bow his hand, to afflict his soul? He says, No, this is the fast that I have chosen, to let the afflicted go free. The way that spirit is cast out, the way that bondage is cast out of our lives is when we accept the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ and Jesus through the fast that he has chosen where he has fasted and has not been ashamed to show his flesh delivers us and makes us free. That's how that is cast out. And then we are not lunatics anymore one day being thrown into the fire, the next day into the water, and we walk in true freedom. We are not paralytics anymore. We're not lying at the mercy of the pool of Bethesda, of which one of the rituals was that they would take sacred snakes and let them swim in the water prior to the stirring of the water and then take those snakes out again. And so they've made those waters holy. Jesus found the man that was healed by him later in the temple. So at least he went to Jewish customs again. And he said to him, go and sin no more, lest something worse happen to you. And I think that's the message to us. Jesus was given to us. He has set us as the church free. We were, we were saved free from the power of politics. We were saved free from the power of governments and all those kind of things. We find peace and joy and all those kind of things. So let us not go and let us go and say no more. Let us not lie at the doors of these systems, trying to find healing and safety and security there anymore. Let something worse happen to us because those systems are not <laughs> flooded with the power to give eternal life. You might say, Bertie, am I not allowed to vote? You can vote. I, I mean, I also vote, but I don't put my confidence in that vote that I, I, I know in that vote, I'm, I can't say I'm sure that I'm going to have peace and joy and comfort and that my family will be safe. I just do it for the now as I think that is maybe the, the best one to choose for now and then I forget about it. That is how I vote. I don't vote from the perspective of this is my hope as some say that even if you don't vote, I've just listened to a message yesterday. 
If you don't vote, then you will stand accountable before the living God in Judgment Day. If you don't vote. And then if you voted for the wrong party, you also have to give account in Judgment Day. That is, that is now preachers preaching that. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you that I could encourage you today. Let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you for your love and your grace. I want to thank you for your kindness. I want to thank you that your hand is extended towards us and that we can look away from the things of this world and we can behold the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus the Christ, wherein you are simply asking us, are you willing to be made well? Wherein we don't have to say, yes, Lord, but we don't have somebody that can sort out our earthly political systems, but where we can say, a greater than our systems arose, and we put our faith in you. Thank you, Lord, that you've come to cast out this whole spirit that makes us lunatics out of us and you've come to give us a clear mind the mind of christ where we're not one day in the law the next day in the prophets where we have to use the ten commandments to try and govern a country and those kind of things but where we can rest in you thank you for that lord i pray for my congregation i pray for these people in 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 um in Cape Town area, I thank you for the love that you express to them. I also pray for people watching from wherever they watch in the world. I declare you are the blessed of God. You are under the kingdom of God. You are the free in Jesus' name. Take up your bed and walk. You are free. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching. Know that you are the blessed of God. Amen. We are going to go over and divide into a small chat rooms for those of you that want to uh, join the room so if you want to be in a in a chat room just stay online and um, you'll be divided into a, a room if if you don't want to you are free to go thank you so much for allowing me to serve you today know that you are deeply loved and blessed by god amen